Hello, sugars. As I started recording this, some big truck just parked outside my door and they're doing the asphalt. But you know what? This is real life. So if you hear them, I'm sorry. I live in a city. So I, I, you're lucky if you can live in the country and have peace and quiet. But I don't know what that's like. Anyway, hey, everybody. Sorry it's been a couple of weeks. I know. I'm going to be honest. I've been, I've been busy and I feel like Dear Maddie, I know I haven't been as consistent doing it every week. And then I was kind of wondering, maybe, I was kind of thinking, do I scale back on Dear Maddie? Because I've got a lot going on right now. The 100th episode is coming up next week. And so I was excited about that. And I thought, what do I do? And then, like, randomly, like, three or four people just contacted me just saying, hey, I listened to your podcast episode. I love it. It means so much. So now I'm like, well, damn it. I got to keep going. Not that I want to stop. I was saying, I thought maybe I would do, like, go down to, like, maybe do a show once a month or something like that. But then I'm, I got those texts, and so I just love it. This is, uh, more than anything I do, the Dear Maddie Show is my most favorite thing to do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just be better about posting every week. But um, 100th episode is coming up. We're pretty excited about it. But today we have episode 99 with Jason Vidari from Story Hinge Podcast. Super sweet guy, super kind guy, and I just love that we both connect with the whole story thing. So I'm not going to talk too much. You can hear, listen to the episode and you can get it, but I'll see you at the end of the show. All right. Here we go. Oh, good. The red light's on. That means it means we're recording or it's a red light special, Jason. I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> what a way to show to start a show. Well, what? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dear Maddie Show. I'm your host, Matt Marr, today. And today I have somebody who I connect with on, you could say that we're either both storytellers or bullshitters, but I think we're storytellers, Jason, don't you? <laughs> That's, it's debatable, probably. <laughs> Although good bullshitters are good storytellers, but I have Jason Vidari, right? Vidari, correct. Jason Vidari from Story from Story Hinge podcast uh, or Story Hinge. That's H I N G E. Story Hinge, like the hinge of your door, people. Storyhinge.com. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, this is, I'm excited to be here with you and to to be able to speak with you again. I am too, because I was on Jason's show, which I will put that in the show notes, everybody. And it's just we we just had like a really good connection, and immediately mm-hmm. I think I even asked you on the show, even while we're on there, I was like, "You're going to be on the show, right?" Um, mm-hmm. I, I do that on purpose, so then you don't you can't say no when you're on the air, Jason. That's yeah. what I. <laughs> well, I could have cut that, but I didn't cut it. I didn't even cut it in the edit. So <laughs> that's true. You could have. You could have. Um, but yeah, so we. Um, I think we were introduced by was it Nicole who introduced us? It may have been. I can't even remember. I think it was Nicole and. She introduced us because she was like, oh, my gosh, you're a narrative therapist, and you talk about story, and I know this guy, Jason. So tell everybody why uh, – or tell everybody, like, what Story Hinge is uh, and kind of I, how you came about. There's a great video on Jason's website, by the way. I believe – I have the website up. Is it in the About section? Um, yeah, it should yes, be in the About. There's a great – in the About section – and there's a great story about kind of how you came to this, but still, uh, tell a little bit about like just how stories kind of changed your life. Okay, yeah, I think stories always been important for me. Um, you know, I remember being young and speaking and having good conversation with my grandma, and hearing stories from her or my grandpa as well, stories from their youth, and always was, was impactful. And for me, I guess it got magnified uh, probably about three years ago. I, I, I transitioned out of, out of Mormonism, had lived mm. a Mormon life for 
Mm-hmm. Oh, about over 20 years. So when I was 19, I got baptized in the church, and about t- age 39, I found out this is not what I thought it was, and it w- didn't, wasn't right for me. And as I transitioned out of that, it really took away a lot of my foundation in terms of my purpose, in terms of identity, um, in terms of relationships and how I saw the world. Mm-hmm. And as part of that, kind of to, to find new foundations for myself, I, I started tapping into other people's stories, just a variety of different people's stories and their different walks of life and hearing diverse stories. And that really was, I guess, it's still part of my, my, my journey. And it helped me start to build more foundations for myself. So last summer, mm. uh, I moved from Colorado to Houston. And, and during that move, kind of thinking about my life and starting a new job, I came up with this idea. And I you know, can't really say the day that it manifests, but to start a podcast and continue that idea of hearing people's stories. So I want to keep doing more of this. I want to hear more diversity. I want to hear how people live their lives. Where do they find happiness? Where do they find meaning? And that's how the podcast manifests. And so it's, it's pretty new still. It's been around mm. since November. And it's just been a blast to go out and hear people's stories. Hey, and mm. hear, hear where they find the happiness and meaning. What has been probably one of um, your, like for you, one of your most powerful stories of somebody on your show that you've heard? Hmm. There's lots of them. Um, let's see. There was one. <clears throat> yeah, here's one. I, this was shared by, um, by Paul Smith. I think he's like episode number five or six. Mm-hmm. And he talked about him basically following his dream. It was this concept of following his own dream mm-hmm. of becoming an author and kind of a coach and kind of branching away on his own out of a corporate, corporate type job. Mm-hmm. And when he talked about, he talked to his father about this mm-hmm. and his father shared a story and it's really his father's story that was really impactful to me. His father said that when he was, and this is, is, is you know, he's always elderly at this time. You know, I think, I don't know if he's in the 60s and 70s, so pretty late in his life. But he shared a story about when he was a kid. I think, I can't remember the exact age, but when he was like five or six, he said he knew what he wanted to do with his life. He wanted to be a singer. He knew it. And, of course, he goes to school at a young age, and the teacher asks, you know, as they, as they do at that age, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? That kind of question. Mm-hmm. And his father said, oh, I want to be a singer. And she's all oh, really, and she invited him to sing right then and there in class. And he said he got up and he sang, and at the end of it, the whole class cheered. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. And then this part he shared. He said, "But you know, son," and he's telling he's telling my guest Paul, his son, the story. He said, "But you know what? That was the first and last time I ever sang." Mm. And it's basically this encouragement: follow your dreams. He goes, not, "There's not a there's not a month that doesn't go by that I don't wonder." if I shouldn't have followed that. And he never did. He never, he never sang and got kind of caught up with life, you know, and family and kind of went on, you know, living something, you know, we, we tend to fall into at times, you know, caught up with life or careers or other things that we never follow that, that dream or that passion. So that was impactful. Just like, wow. Yeah. I, I got to keep doing, doing those things. Wow. Follow your dream, follow your passion, find something. Find yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Why do you, why do you think that is there? Oh, oh, I just almost dropped my computer. I'm here. I'm here. Um, what do you think, I've listened to a lot of stories and people talk about, you know, their lives, their dreams, things they wanted to, um, things they, you know, they, that they've always been fighting for or working towards. And I know you have too. So I have found that a lot of people and my friend Don, <clears throat> pardon me, my friend Don McCoy says this, who's been on the show a couple of times uh, and is a, a lifestyle guru, but talks about how like. I'm going to paraphrase, so I'm going to fuck it up, Jason. But basically, she says that um, 
often people get we're trying to get back to the kind of either the dreams or the happiness or the uh the the hopes that kind of almost like our five or six or seven or eight year old self she said she really feels like that's kind of our creative time like for most kids that are in that aren't dealing with you know you know external things like really you know with a lot of abuse or poverty or those kind of facts she's like so she says i know i'm speaking to like people already that are going to have some privilege or blessings but for those people i feel like it's between that age five and eight where they're really just free and experimenting and then later as we get older those voices of other people we kind of internalize and make our own and it shuts us down do you find that? Do you find that from a lot of stories that you talk to, like the one you just described, like people still vividly remember things that happened to them in first, second, third grade? Yeah, I think I found that. I think Why right is on, that? Yeah, I think it's just that, that formative time in our lives when we're receptive and we're at that, you know, prior brain development's part of that. We're receptive to, we're not, we don't put blocks on ourselves. We're just, we're at a time where we can receive those dreams and think about them and really start internalizing. And I think there's a lot to, lot to say about that. Uh, one of the other guests I had on talked about, he was talking about he uses chess, the game of chess to help people have goals and plan their life out. Mm. And, uh, kids mostly. And I was like, and I, and I asked him this question. I said, you know, you know, he's talking to me you know, 13, 14, 15 year olds. And I said, well, and you know, I'm, I'm in my forties now. So well, how's a 15, 14, 13 year old know what they want to do with their life in terms of their big goals. And he's like, you'd be surprised. And it kind of struck me. I go, yeah, you know, you're probably right. When you're young, you're not putting all these blocks in your mind saying, well, you can't do that because you can't make enough money mm-hmm. or there's this or that that's going to hold you back from it. But they were just more open and receptive to, to their dreams. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably true. Hmm. Hmm. So how do you feel like – so I want to ask a question about you. We're going to get to some questions in a second. But so – Mr. Storyhenge. So in doing and in starting Storyhenge and really just being, again, that's what we, I think you and I both connect on is that we're just, we're curious. We're genu- genuinely curious in people. Um, how has the, uh, how has listening to these stories of people, I mean, you're not just having light conversations or, you know, I have friends that are comedians that do great podcasts that, you know, where they're comedians and they just kind of banter and tell dick jokes and or whatever. And that's great. The, I, <laughs> you know, I love some of those podcasts. So, um, but how do you, um, how has doing these type of interviews uh, changed, has it influenced the relationships in your own life? I think probably the biggest thing I see, I feel so far is that it's brought in my views even more. Mm. Um, coming in within more within the Mormon Mormonism in that context, I guess I, as I see it now, I had a pretty narrow view on things because I knew I knew what the church taught, I knew the teachings, and so if things were outside of those teachings, if there was an idea outside of those teachings, I could reject it and say oh, I don't even have to think about that. I don't have to consider it. It's not mm. it's not within the truth of the church. Now. Coming out of that, I started finding, wow, there's more life out here. There's more goodness out here. There's more ways to live than I ever thought. And I guess doing the podcast now has only expanded that even more. And so I've found even more stories and say, wow, people, people are amazing. I guess I probably have more respect and more honor for people and just say, I know we have all our, all our faults and we have our weaknesses and our, and our brokenness. But at the same time, I just find pe- people very beautiful. And very amazing, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that's probably brought in for me is one of the main things. Mm-hmm. And 
so I, I guess that probably does reflect my, on my relationships, like you asked, with my mm-hmm. with my family and my kids. As I look at them, mm-hmm. I don't have the structure, for instance, with my children and in, in what I want for them. Mm-hmm. I want them to be their true selves, to find that truer self in them, and and live out their passion, their dream. Whereas before, I would wanted, I would probably want them more to be, hey, I want you to conform to the church and the teachings of the church and God's teachings. Now I'm like, well, no, I want you to find your own thing. It may be, it may not agree with Dad. We may not agree on all things, but that doesn't matter. We don't have to agree in everything. First thing you need to know is that dad loves you, and I want you to, to find that for yourself and live your own, live your own life. So there's mm. some changes. That just reminded me of I was watching Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres' show. Ellen. Uh, no one says her whole name. Ellen. I was watching Ellen, and <laughs> she had on Goldie Hawn. And I've always – I love Goldie Hawn because I think she's you know a funny actress, and I've watched her ever since the days of laughing. But I also like that she seems it's very important for her to – cultivate happiness and to find joy in things and to and to you know almost even if you have to fight to be joyful and to and to kind of bring that into your life and it's interesting that the show that um so i was watching the show that's episode and the episode was it was a mother's day episode and ellen had in the audience all pregnant was really cool all pregnant women that were going to be first time mothers Mm. And they ended up, you know, giving away a bunch of baby stuff and all that. And then they were like, ah, screaming, you know, like hopefully nobody was going to have the baby. Um, <laughs> but uh, I know I was worried. But uh, I thought it was going to be like an SNL sketch when they did the Oprah's favorite things. I don't know if you ever seen it. It's hilarious. But um, but no, and it, the whole point of what I'm getting to, Matt, come on, we're getting there. Chugga, chugga, chugga. Um, is, <laughs> Lord, geez, help me. So with. Um, with um, Goldie Hawn, she had said, do you have any advice for these mothers? And she said something funny, and everybody laughed, and I don't even remember what it was, but then she said, but actually what I want to tell people is that you are expecting this child, you're waiting for this child, you're already imagining what what they're going to be like. Um, She said, but the advice I can give you is that you do not own your children, and Mm -hmm. that they are not your property, that they are their living, breathing soul, and it is their job for you. You can guide them, but it is your job, your their job to figure out and cultivate their own happiness and and also have their own mistakes. And you can't own that. Um, and I thought that was just such beautifully the way you just put that is that. Do you find that in maybe in conversations? I feel like this is a little bit different, but I do feel like a lot of parents I know they. They, and again, I can't speak to Mormonism, but I can speak to growing up in Oklahoma, especially growing in kind of the buckle of the Bible belt, or even people I know that grew up with strong Catholic families, or anybody, strong Jewish families. I know people that are, you know, I know some people that are Persian and their families, they really have this identity that if you're my child, you will live your life this way. Do you feel like a lot of parents do that still, or do you think that's changing? No, I think that's probably pretty common. It's pretty natural for us to to default to what, the way we've been raised. So if you have that environment around you, I mean, I, in some ways, I, something I noticed in myself as well is that you wanted your, your child to follow a certain form because the way it reflected on you as a parent. Mm. And if, if they didn't follow that form, it was almost like it, you're feeling shame for yourself. You're like, well, wait a minute here. That, that can't be right. Is that right? I'm, because my son's not doing what I think he should do. I'm a bad parent. You know, it's, it's that kind mm. of reflection that we do to ourselves. Yeah. So I think I think that's still pretty prevalent. I think it's more it's probably more unusual for someone to say, you know what, I'm going to give you your space to create your own path and to find your own your own your own true self. It's harder because it's it's somewhat of that letting that go, you know, mm. you let, let go of some of that control and you, 
and you may not know what comes out the other end. And maybe someone, like I said, I may, I may find some of my kids are pretty different than me and have mm. different paths of life than me. But it's also beautiful at the same time. It's like, well, that's awesome. I don't want my kids to all be just like me. How boring would that be? Yeah. <laughs> I have enough of me already. <laughs> if my if my very Republican conservative mother was listening right now, she would probably say, boy, that worked out for me, having my liberal son. <laughs> there you go. Uh, a lot of people felt that, I guess, with politics. So one other question, then we'll get to the question, but I'm just, I'm interested in your life. So in converting, uh, so you converted, or you left the church how long ago? It's been about three years now. Okay, so what was it, you spoke about your transition, but what was that like as far as the transition for your family, for your wife and your kids? Were they involved in the Mormon church as well? What was, or was it a group decision? Yeah, that's probably been the hardest part. No, my, my wife is still a, an active, faithful member. Mm. And my kids are kind of in between. My older sons, are not. they still go to church with my wife. And I actually uh-huh. still go once in a while with her, too, as well. Um, but uh, they're not real involved in the, all the activities and the whole theology and stuff behind it. Mm-hmm. My younger kids are more active just because they're younger, so they get a little more involved in the activities. So it's been difficult, I mean, because essentially we had that foundation together. And that was a lot of our marriage and a lot of our foundation was, mm-hmm. was within the church. And then but essentially that went away from me. And so there's been a lot of recrafting and reforming, some found, having common foundation again in terms of my spouse and having you know, a good, good relationship with her. And I think the kids, are, the, the, especially the young ones, they, take it just, they kind of take it in stride because they don't realize all the, the changes that are happening with dad. And the older, the older mm-hmm. ones, I've been able to have some really good conversations with them. My oldest is 15. By the way, I have six kids, so... Oh yeah, you have a six kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so I'm, yeah, if they're ahead. sixteen. They're already kind of going through their own process anyway. Yeah, they are. And um, like my my oldest is um, he's fifteen. My my next one's thirteen. And my thirteen year old's kind of funny. He's never really been. He was never really like integrated in the church. He was always kind of like a little bit of an outsider. He never really felt. You know, some people kind of you, you get into a group and you really feel a part of that group. Uh-huh. He just never had been that. So he's kind of still the same. Kind of <laughs> even though I've kind mm-hmm. of moved my own position no i understand that i think i felt that way being grown up catholic i felt like i just didn't i liked people i mean i had friends and stuff but i never the only time i ever felt like the glove fit is when i sang in choir but Mm. i think it was because i was singing you know that's when i felt connected to god and that's when i within the church um and it was and that said i it was i grew up in a beautiful very loving cool community like i still have a lot of affection and fondness for the church. I don't have like a bad taste in my mouth for it, but it's still, it just never, um, it just never seemed to fully fit. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I understand that. So, so yeah, so I can get that. Um, well, all right. Well, you're like, I didn't know this was going to be about me, but I, uh, sorry, I made it. <laughs> I, you're just interesting, Jason, but let's well, I, have to, I have to tell you a quick story here. I made myself laugh on the way home. So something I do on the way home when I drive from work back and forth, as I record myself, and this is something mm-hmm. that started to help me on my podcast, because, you know, my background's engineering. I'm a chemical engineer. Yeah, you're I'm not smarty. a speaker. I'm not a communicator, necessarily, so I'm learning how to do all these things. So part of that path was I'm, I record myself every day. And then the next day, I listen to my recording from the previous day, and I record again. So I'm coming home today, and I listen to my, pre- my yesterday's one, and I'm just laughing. I'm laughing my head off because I'm all over the place. I was really tired yesterday. I didn't get much sleep the night before. 
I'm talking about this topic. I'm jumping to another one that, that I'm, and I'm thinking, oh, I got that. I'm going to go have the interview with Matt. And if, if Matt has his gay DD on and I'm talking like <laughs> this, we're going to be all over the place. And we're, I, don't know, I don't know what we're going to talk about. So <laughs> I was like, but I got better sleep last night. So I feel a little more, a little more here. Okay, good. Cause I had a little bit of gay DD. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's going to bite you the ass sometimes. Um, literally sometimes. Um, that's funny. Um, well, it's a, I've got only two questions for this week. So, um, uh, but um, yes, and let's see. One, you know, I think I read in the first one too. Uh, I, I, no, I don't think we read this before. So, all right. The first question is Dear Maddie, and this is from Christina, age 38. And they say, uh, dear Maddie, hey Maddie, about two weeks ago my neighbors put up a for sale sign on their lawn. My husband and I have convinced ourselves that they are moving because they hate us. Logically, we know it's not about us, but we can't stop obsessing. We aren't the kind of people who easily walk up to strangers and chat, and we don't have much in common with a lot of the neighbors. We don't have kids or pets, and everyone around us does, because we live in modern-day Mayberry. For the two... for. For the two years we've lived in our home, we've had neighborly conversations whenever we see each other. Since the sale sign went up, they haven't said anything to us. Granted, it's been snowing and we uh, and we haven't seen much of them, but still, we can feel the hatred. So here's the question. What are some ways my husband and I can become more outgoing, you know, so that our new neighbors don't hate us and move away, but also so that we simply can talk to people easily in life in general? Thanks and love the show, Christina. Again, because she wrote before age 38. So I put this question on here because I know we talked about before, like you've talked about how like I'm always working on like speaking and bringing myself out and things like that. So what 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 advice do you got for Christina and her husband? Yeah, I guess I'm, my first thought on this is uh, make sure you examine the your motives behind these things. I think that's pretty useful for me. Sometimes I have certain things I want to do, and I, when I look at the motive, I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe I really don't want to do that thing. So at first I would check that motive and make sure it's a good one. Because if it's just simply to be liked, is that the best way to go about it? Just being liked by that your neighbors? It's some Maybe good fucking truth talk right there. And no, I just want to say that I love that. I, that kind of had an aha for, aha for me because I use the word intention a lot, but intention seems a little more, you know, ethereal and what is my intention and all that. But Motive is so action-oriented to me, that word. Um, I'm going to steal that from you and use that more because it is like what are – and we think, again, as motive is like, oh, well, they had ulterior motives. But we, it doesn't have to have a ne- negative connotation. Like, But, Christina, like what are your motives for talking to these people? Because if your mm-hmm. motive is to, like you said, be liked, well, that's not going to – as we know, doing things just to be liked in life is not – uh, does not always reap the most rewards for anyone. Yeah, and they'll probably feel that. I mean, they'll probably feel that if you try approaching someone and, and your goal is your really foundational motive is like, I just want to be liked by you. They'll probably feel that and feel some unauthenticity from you, perhaps. So Yeah, for sure. So for that'd be sure. the first thing. So, But if you, if you come to that and say, you know what, but I really want to connect with my neighbors because I you know I care about the people around me. I feel there's value in connection with the, with my neighbors. And I, you know, I guess I feel a little bit guilty about this because I know my neighbors a little bit, but not that well either. And we've actually mm. done a few. I guess the, then I would say, take a step. I kind of get this with my kids. Um, sometimes my older kids will say, you know, well, I don't have I don't have that many friends at school. And I'll ask them all, did you, did you talk to anybody today? No. Did you smile at anybody today? Well, no. I'm like, well, you might want to take a step, <laughs> a something, a hi. Did you tell anybody hi today? 
no. <laughs> like, well, Ooh. you're probably not going to find, you're probably not going to get to the friendship level unless you take a step or two. So there's all kinds of great things you can do, little things. Um, I same. love that. It's a little thing instead of a mm-hmm. big thing. And that is the truth because when my boyfriend moved in with me, he was like, Lord, you know everybody here. But I think, too, because I walk my dog, but I, you know, I lived in a neighborhood before that was in Los Angeles. Uh, that was, it was in the area of Koreatown, which is a cool place to live. But I realized in living there, the most of the people that I spoke that lived around me, it's not that they weren't nice. They literally pretty much only spoke Korean. So we, there was never a very, an opportunity for I, I conversation. I spoke to some of their kids, but you know, these are like their 10, nine year old kids that could, that would talk to. So, um, there definitely was, um, I, um, I realized I missed that and I craved that. So when I moved to my neighborhood, that was a kind of a more diverse neighborhood and had people just kind of all walks of life. I realized it was important for me to to smile at my neighbors, to uh, say hello, and just say those simple things. I think mm-hmm. that is the reason why I ended up. Well, the woman I quoted earlier, my friend Don McCoy, she was my neighbor, and I. But and um, but yeah, I think that's simple, Christina. Just smiling and saying hi that can go a, that can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Another fun thing that we did actually did we we did when we moved here to Texas um, this last summer. We actually made treats for our new neighbors. We're the new person here. We actually made little little treats and just a little note saying who we were. And my kids love this. Actually, my, my, my 10-year-old daughter really loves this. So we go out to all our neighbors and give them treats. And it was a nice way, you know, it's, it, it relaxes the moment so you're not trying to, you know, you're actually giving them something. So it makes it real easy for you to go to their door and say, hey, we just want to give you something. Say hi. We're your new neighbor. Um, so I think there's simple things you can do like that. And actually having a resource for of people. This is actually one of my guests. Oh. Who happens to be a? Um, he actually we graduated together in high school. Um, it's called if someone wants to go to uh, artofneighboring.com. dot com. A R T of neighboring dot com, and it has a he's a, a Christian minister or was a Christian minister, so it has a, a Christian uh, bent to in terms of uh, art of neighboring how how to neighbor in a better way, a more loving Christ-like way. But I think there's a lot of good value in here and it, it has, you like making a map for the people around you, just getting to know their names as part of it. So it takes you through different steps, even has a kid on creating a, bo- a block party for your neighborhood or help oh, cool. doing that. So it goes through several different things that you could do to be a better neighbor. So I thought that was kind of a timely question being that I just had um, Dave Runyon is his name that was on my podcast. So, oh look, well I'll put a show link to the the show. That's um, yeah. how serendipitous. Mm-hmm. Um, look at that. Um, all right. Well, okay. Going to our second and last question. It's a short show today. Only two questions. Uh, this is from Renee, age fifty one, um, and she says, "Dear Maddie, I recently sat down with my girlfriend, and she gave me, as you say, some truth talk." We've been friends for over 20 years, so she knows me so well. We, Well, basically, she told me I've lost myself. At first, I didn't know what she meant, and I got very defensive, but I think she has a point. For years, I've devoted myself to my children and my husband. My husband has even told me to do my own thing, but I get so much anxiety, I feel like I'm not giving my children enough attention. How do I branch out? This is from Renee, age 51. So I'm imagining you can relate to this in that, you know, mm. changing you know moving away from the church and also starting story hinge like you're you're following your own passion was there ever guilt as far as like how your family was going to adjust or adapt or if you could provide for them 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, and something I really relate to in that is that this, this kind of idea of not being yourself or not fully being yourself or losing some of yourself. I felt that as I came out of Mormonism, I realized that I, I felt like I lost some of myself that I was back in high school and in my, in my youth. Mm. And maybe it was the way I lived the religion. But so, I mean, for instance, just this, what we're doing right now, I wouldn't have done as a Mormon, talking mm. to people, being this open, you know, being more just authentically Jason and saying, this is who I am. And I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm not trying to be Christ-like more than I really am, you know, kind of trying to fake it or anything. I'm just, this is me. Mm. That's where I'm at today. So I can t- definitely relate to, to what she's talking about here. I guess for me, the way, and I'm fairly intellectual. Like I said, I'm a, an engineer. I like to analyze things. Mm-hmm. Um, so something I've done over the years and not just a single time, but over and over is asking good questions about myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this one is also timely too, because it's actually on my same website, storyhinge.com, there's a tab for resources. If you go to that, I have, it's really an exercise or it's three exercises to understand your passion, which I think is a pretty in line with she's, you're, you're trying to get to your truer self, this part that maybe you've lost about yourself. And the first section is just, it's 28 questions to ask yourself. And it's things like, what have I always wanted to do? Mm-hmm. What do I learn about naturally? Um, what do I do with my free time? Who do I really admire? Um, what activities would I spend my time on if money didn't matter? So it's these kind of questions that kind of dig into your help, dig into yourself and see if you can understand better yourself. The next part goes to, and this comes from you know, Stephen Covey, um, Seven Habits. Begin with the end in mind. Where do you want to be someday? What do you want to be at the end of your life? Looking back, what do you want to be able to say about yourself? And do that exercise. Mm. And then the third thing I basically say, you kind of take these same things and you ask why. You look for common themes throughout these things that you, these, these answers to your questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you may rank ones that seem more powerful than less. Mm-hmm. And I've done this over the years and I you know, kind of reflect on this time and time again. And, and that's kind of, in some of this kind of manifested, hey, I want to talk to more people. I've always enjoyed this connection and hearing stories about people. So let me, let me bring that back in my life again where I hadn't had that. In fact, you know, I, as, I, as I said, I'm, in high school, that was one of my favorite things to do. And even in early college was to get one of my friends and we go up to, I, I grew up in Colorado there and there's always the foothills and the mountains you could go up to. We go find a place you can overlook the city and we just talk, just talk about mm-hmm. life, just talk about their, and, and that was one of the most enjoyable things to do. And I, like I said, I kind of lost some of that as a, Mm. through my Mormon experience and I'm, some of that came back is where I'm at today so I think asking yourself some mm. good questions like this some probing questions and seeing where they lead you to i so glad you brought that up and I hope for um, I truly hope for Renee that uh, she takes this in and that we often have this pressure of oh I should figure out what I want to do but and it sounds cliche but we don't actually ever stop and just ask ourselves what are we interested in in life? We just jump to, I should already know, you know, I've got children, I do this, I'm, I'm on the PTA, like I should know that I want to be a therapist or I should know that I want to be a doctor or I want to be a minister. We, no, you've been so busy doing these things, Renee. I think the best thing for you to just branch out is just literally just get a journal, go literally just go to the, the, go to the web link that I'm going to leave for storyhinge.com because these are all great. There's about 20-something questions. Just ask your, answer these questions and just spend time answering the questions. I often say to people, 
Um, and even if that is, a lot of people have asked me, you know, what should I do? I don't know what I want to do with my life. Well, do you know what you don't want to do? Because that's important too, to write down like, I know I don't want to be at a desk job. I know I don't want to work with math because mm -hmm. I'm terrible at it. I know I don't want to do things that are going to be in sales. Like I just listed, like those are three things that I don't love to do that don't, that I know that not only would I not like doing them, but I would be terrible at them. Yeah, that's good. I like and that too. so that's a start. I'm like, okay, well, I know that. Well, I just, I don't want a sales job. I know I don't want to be stuck in an office. And I know that I don't want to work with numbers or math. Well, already that, that lint, that cuts out as far as if you're, whether if you're thinking about a career change, that takes out a lot of things. You know, I'm not going to be working. I'm not going to be a financial advisor. I wouldn't like that. So, um, so yeah, Renee, maybe start there. I think that and look at the question. That's a great start. I think another cool thing about that is that, you mentioned that yeah sometimes we are in a hurry to kind of figure that out and think we should have it figured out i don't know if that's really true i think i think we keep doing this our entire lives you know where i'm at today i wouldn't be surprised if five years from now i'm i'm in a, a different place and you should be that and you should be you if you if you're growing and, yeah. yeah yeah so i think yeah. that's okay i'm telling i'm having some like i'm like i need a journal again jason Badari's making giving me the <laughs> ahas i'm gonna have to change it up um all right, well, speaking of changing up, let's get to um, the last part of the show, Chatty Maddie questions. Same five questions I ask everybody every week. Um, and uh, I know I sent you a thing saying the time is going to be – we're already over the time. Sorry, Jason. Oh. Gay D, you're interesting. I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> um, okay, so Chatty Maddie number one, what's your most memorable childhood smell? Hmm. I'll say uh, my grandma making homemade tortillas when I was a kid. Oh my gosh, that's one of the, you just reminded me of a restaurant called Raquel's that was in the middle of Southern Oklahoma, but they would make home, and they were so freaking good. Oh, that's so a good. great smell. Just get some butter on those things right when they're fresh off. Oh, oh that is the <laughs> best. That is the best, the best. Um, uh, what, uh, and was this in Colorado? You grew up with your grandma or, yeah. or visiting? Uh, yeah, what was grandma, her name? She lived, she lived within a mile of, of where we live, so she was always part of our family her name is rachel oh we're, oh how funny and Isn't i just funny, huh? whoa <laughs> doo -doo -doo -doo, goosebumps all right uh chatty matting number two what would be the name of your memoir um i think never the same i feel like my Ooh, life's been oh i like that it's been changing and growing and i'm okay with that um, i'm okay with being different than i i don't know if it's the core of myself being different but just some of my path has been different and surprising so that's where that would come from Never the same. Okay. Ooh, I like it. Okay. Chatty man, number three, best piece of advice you wished you had taken earlier in life? Here's one that I always heard kind of, you know, question everything, question things. And I thought I always did that, but maybe I didn't question as much as I thought I had through, through you know, through my, my journey, my path as I was going through life and kind of just let things happen. So it's kind of that questioning with um, being more intentional from those questions and what, what that, what comes out of it. Ooh, I like that. Being more intentional, knowing your motivation. Mm -hmm. um, okay, Chatty Maddie number four. What what day would be your Groundhog Day, or what day was so good that you could live it over and over? You know, that's an interesting question, because at first I was trying to think of a really, really good day. And then what I came to was my first year in college. You know, this is back in 92. Summer, I was at Colorado School of Mines in Golden. I could picture this day. It was a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And... I had, I had a little bit of homework to do, but not too much. It was sunny and beautiful day in Colorado. 
and I remember walking across the campus and just seeing people play, you know, frisbee and other things, outdoor activities, and just it was more of the feeling of having everything before me. I could, mm. if, I, if I wanted to go study and learn about a subject, all the subjects were, you know, there's plenty of books and resources there to do it. If there is, basically, it was like open to any kind of growth I wanted to have. That's the kind of day I want to keep living again. That is one of the best answers to that question. That I've and I've done over a hundred shows. I love that. Um, all right, last one, Chatty Maddie, number five. When are you most inspired? Here's something I probably learned, you know, later in life. Talking about we don't really know everything right from the beginning. Is I'm probably most inspired, or just feel that most energized when I'm working with groups, solving problems, working with other people, and coming up with something something better than I would have thought myself. And sometimes I think I have pretty good ideas. I think I'm, you know, I think I'm pretty smart can figure things out. And I have an idea to say here, we're trying to solve, you know, this certain problem. But when I come with a group and we really hash it out and it becomes something even more than I ever thought it was, that's, that's what, when I'm most inspired. I, that's one of the things I love about collaboration. I mean, even just talking with you, like I have an idea of what the show's going to like and what's going to happen. And then we collaborate and it turns into something. Mm-hmm very different that's all on its own that could never be replicated again and that's yeah. what i love about it um well sugar that is a show jason vidari story hinge we did it we're done yay. yay we did it so um okay so again so it's the best place for people to find you to go to um storyhinge.com yep storyhinge.com and okay, um, actually in your your episode number 12 right oh, let's see do i remember that right yeah mm-hmm. your episode number 12 so Everybody wants to hear your story a little bit more, and we had a real good time on that. And we did, we did, we did, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, Twelve, my lucky number. How weird! We're con- lucky number. The day I was born, I'm telling you, I forget to think about that. <laughs> Talking about Rachel and Raquel, we are connected, Jason. Yep, uh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for uh, for doing this. I I just I have, I totally have love for you. I love what you're doing, and and for the rest of you, do something kind uh, for someone this week. Be of service. And we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, you, Matt. Uh, of course. Of course. Well, now the truck is like laying asphalt, you know? It's just going to be loud. All right, Jason Vidari. Right? Right? Just like, he's just he's just such a, such a sweet man. Um, I was just so happy to have him on the show. Um, Sugars, I can't believe, oh my gosh, episode 100. I feel like my child's growing up. It feels weird. and makes me feel old. But... Episode 100. I cannot believe that. Um, I can't believe that's happening. So, who's going to be on the show? I've been kind of teasing it. Actually, Matt Marr. And you're thinking, what? No, Matt Marr. Matt Marr is this. It's another person that I met here in Los Angeles. We'll talk about why we met, but it's a total stranger to me. But his name is Matt Marr. So I thought, why not bring a total stranger, kind of with the same namesake, and see how our lives are different, how they're similar, and just have a conversation and see. I don't know, just see kind of what comes out of it. And I I was very moved by this episode for me just because um, I didn't expect for us to go. One thing that both of these Matt Mars like to have in common is that we both like to go deep. And so kind of the, the authenticity and the vulnerability that Matt Mars shared on my show, uh, it feels like I'm narcissistic and I'm talking about myself in third person, but I'm not. But anyway, the authenticity that he shared, it, I thought it was really beautiful. And um, and so I'm excited to hear what you think. So, But you got to wait a week. 
to hear that, everybody. So until then, you can listen to the TV Tea Time podcast with Jake and I. We're still going strong, recapping Boy Band. And you can find me on AfterBuzz TV, recapping Orphan Black, Preacher, if you're interested in all that kind of stuff. As always, please leave a review on iTunes or give me your feedback. Go to iTunes to the stars. Write something. Please write something because that bumps us up. And Sugars, you know I love you. As always, go and do something for someone this week. And I'll see you next week. Bye. 